Hello, and thank you for joining us for the Hatchbend Apostolic Church web broadcast. In our society today, some, and yes, sadly, maybe even most, question the value of preaching in their lives. But we still believe what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. In essence, Paul preached that God has chosen the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. And so that's why we still place such a high value on the preached word of God in agreement to the scripture. And so now I'd like to thank you again for joining us for a message from our pastor at Hatchbend Apostolic Church. I do not believe that Acts 10 is, is, has such tall walls and has such a ceiling that what we're going to talk about here today doesn't continue to happen in the hour in which we live. God still speaks. People still listen. Amen. Don't ever doubt that. The wonderful stories that are in this word of God, I would never do anything to try to chip off one minuscule portion of that to take away their importance. But I just think it is so imperative to underline that if we think that the only time this happened was Acts 10 and that now everything is mute until the trumpet sounds, we are kidding ourselves because the Spirit of the Lord is still speaking to people. There are sincere people that are searching for God and you know what? He doesn't want them to be lost in their pursuit of Him. And so he will make bare his arm. He will reveal himself to those that are hungry. Amen. The scripture says of Cornelius, unequivocally, the man at the center of this story was a devout man, a God-fearing man, a generous man in the giving of his, of his alms, but he was also a prayerful man. And so this was not a run-of-the-mill man, an everyday man. But God was about to share something with him through a vision that would change the trajectory of his life forever. As a matter of fact, the vision that God was going to set in motion in the life of Cornelius and in the lives of those that are about to be introduced into this story is going to set the religious world on its head. And it's never been righted since. He's, and uh, God is reaching here, reaching beyond the Jews into the Gentile world. Therefore, everything moving forward is going to be changed. In Acts ten, and during the, it was in Acts ten, and during the time of evening prayers and sacrifices, that that an angel came to Cornelius and called him by name. Amen. Now I know sometimes in our zeal, and I don't want to wet anybody's fire here but I know sometimes in our zeal we're thinking how cool it would be if an angel just walked in the room while we were praying and uh, we've got all kind of questions for that angel and we're going to ask about this and we're going to ask about that and we're going to get them to fill in a few blanks here and there but uh, this, this celestial visitation from Cornelius was not really an enjoyable thing at least at first because the Bible says that he was afraid and if I could just be so bold to tell you that I have felt the presence of the Lord strong enough that I felt afraid. I felt a, a tremendous fear. That would be all right to use that word, wouldn't it, Elder? I mean, a tremendous, just a, a, a sense of reverence so strong until we equate that to fear. And uh, I, I think it's a fair assumption to think that we would feel otherwise. But 
But nevertheless, this was a profound moment in his life. The angel then said something extremely profound to this common man. He said, thy prayers and thine alms are come up for a memorial before God. Your prayers have been heard. Amen. Now, if we were just going to stay in Realville today, we would understand that all of us have felt like at the end of our prayers that our prayers just were still laid in the floor. They were still soaked up in the carpet. Amen. That our prayer really didn't go anywhere. Did the Lord hear our prayer? Perhaps Cornelius had felt that way many, many times. But the angel of the Lord said, your prayers and your alms have come up as a memorial before the Lord. Now that alone was enough to have encouraged any, anyone, but there was more. He wasn't through talking. The angel went on to instruct Cornelius to send men to Joppa to find a man by the name of Simon Peter. And then he says to him in Acts 10, 6, he will tell you what you ought to do. This man is going to give you some instructions. Amen. Now to have a vision is one thing, but we got to do something about that. And that, that something is obedience. We've got to get up and do something about that. We've got to respond to that God-given vision. Response is imperative. James says, faith without works is dead. And so when the angel departed, Cornelius called for two servants and a soldier to come uh, of his household, and he shared this experience with them. And uh, then he sent them to Joppa to look for this Simon Peter. The next day they found themselves with Simon Peter in the home of Simon the Tanner. Until this time, the Holy Ghost had not been poured out on Gentiles. It is very difficult for us on this side of all of this to understand uh, just how, how significant that statement is because the Jews felt like that no one could have this but them. And now the Gentile, the world, uh, the world of Pentecost is about to bleed over into the world of, of the Gentiles. And so it was uh, far more than just a singular vision to a family. God was fixing to do something that would be affecting even what we're doing here this morning. Amen. There was a vision in Caesarea, but there was also a vision in Joppa. And these visions were going to challenge and they were going to change everything. So now, if we could kind of shift the camera from this scene and let's go over here to another scene. Peter is on the rooftop praying. And in that prayer, Simon Peter has a vision. And in that, he saw heaven open, a sheet-like vessel descending down. The Bible says knit at all four corners, descending to the earth in front of him. A great sheet, the Bible talks about, knit at all four corners. Perhaps that was symbolic of the entire universe and the coming together of all nations that this message is going to spread to the world. Amen. Those four corners, the gospel is going to extend. It's going to reach the whole gospel to the whole world. In that vision were all manner of animals and four-footed beasts. The, the Bible describes wild beasts, creeping things, and birds. And a voice in that vision spoke to Simon Peter and said, Rise, Peter, kill and eat. Now Simon Peter's response was not carnality. It was not unbelief. It was not rebellion. Actually, Simon Peter, if we keep it in context, his response was a righteous response because he said, "Not so, Lord, for I have never eaten anything that is common 
or unclean. And the Lord spoke to him. Amen, this is a new day. I've got to show you something. I need you to open your spiritual eyes. He said, what God has cleansed, that call thou not, call, call not thou common. What I have cleansed, don't call that common. Now this happened three times. Amen, three times in this particular passage of scripture. And so Simon Peter is left in a state of absolute bewilderment. So what can this mean? What in the world is going on? God is working on both ends. God is speaking on two sides. Amen. The voice was heard again telling Peter. He said, there are three men at the gate. And Simon Peter's divine orders were clear. He said, go with them, doubting nothing, for I have sent them. And you're all sitting there looking so cool. but what if the Lord showed up in your bedroom? I need you to get up and get dressed and go to the door. There's going to be three men waiting on you. Go with them, doubting nothing. You're still laying in bed. You're not even reaching for your slippers right now. I know that because you're just staring at me. But he said, doubting nothing, for I have sent them. The rest of the story in Acts 10 shows how Peter and these unnamed men made their journey to the house of Cornelius. So, so Peter says to those that are gathered in, everybody understood the law. Everybody understood what was going on and how cross-threaded in the minds of religiosity this is really going to be. He said, you know how that it is an unlawful thing for a man that is a Jew to keep company or come into another nation, but God has showed me that I should not call any man common or unclean. Now, I just want to spread our spiritual wings here today and tell you that you will never pass anybody on the street, you'll never pass anybody in a store on a sidewalk that is too common or unclean for the power and the spirit of God to move and minister in their life. Amen. I want to talk about the power to be witnesses and what the church is really supposed to be doing. We are not just an entity to marry our young and bury our old and to babysit one another on the way to heaven. Not at all. Amen. That is all part of it. We need to marry, we need to bury, and we need to help people along the way. But I'm going to tell you that the ultimate mission of the church is to be witnesses. And now let me define the church. Amen. The church is you and I. The church is not a building, not a foreign entity, not a foreign body, but we are the church. Amen. Ultimately, Peter shared the message of Jesus Christ, and the Bible says that while Peter yet spake these words, the Holy Ghost fell on them which heard the word. I just want to pause here and tell you that I am not against, of course, we support home Bible studies, and we have several studies that we all do ourselves, many at least in the church do ourselves, but can I tell you, there's nothing more powerful than the word. While Peter spoke these words, there was not a flip chart in sight, amen, there was no... There there was no literature spread out on the dining table, nowhere around. He was just preaching the word. And the truth of God's word was enough to a hungry heart to unlock their mind and unlock their eyes. And the revelation of the power of the Lord fell on them. Cornelius' obedience to the vision 
was enough to save his family. It brought the gospel to his family. That's powerful. But let me tell you something, that when Peter obeyed, because it could have been just Cornelius, but when Peter obeyed the vision that came to him, amen, it brought the, it brought the gospel message into every Gentile nation. Amen, I'm thankful that Cornelius moved and his house was saved. But when Simon Peter moved, nations were saved. And can I tell you today that I'm glad you answered the call. Amen. I'm glad that you listen to the voice of God and you receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost yourself. I'm glad I received the Holy Ghost, but can I tell you, amen, I am. I, I believe that God is wanting us to not just hear something, but he's wanting us to respond to something. Amen. And when, in, when we respond, in our response, the world can be affected. Now, for us to understand the importance of a God-given vision, we have got to first understand what it means to have a vision. One definition of vision would be the, the act or the power of anticipating something which will or may come to being. In Proverbs 29 and 18, a very common passage of Scripture when we're talking about without a vision, the people perish. We're talking about visions. That's often quoted. But the word, the Hebrew word translated vision there refers to sight or to, to, to dream, something there uh, to project into the future. In many ways, faith gives vision. Hebrews 1 and 11 says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. And so we have a responsibility to capture a God-given vision of his plan and of his purpose here on the earth. Amen, I am telling you today that God is still speaking to men and to women. The question is whether or not we are going to open our spiritual eyes and let God speak to us into our heart, into our, into our lives. He can, he desires. And let me just say this, God is still speaking and people are still responding. I know I'm repeating that, but I just want you to know that God is still speaking. People are still responding. The radio waves of heaven are playing loud and clear right now. And if we could just turn down the noise of all the other stations that are crowding out the voice of God, we can tune in to what the Spirit would say to us. Praise God. Praise God. Amen. I realize that we all, all have different ideas to what the mission of the church is. And as with most human definitions, that can all get convoluted along the way. But there are some passages, I believe, that in the Word of God that really clearly identify the mission of the church in a very succinct manner. And so if I could just draw two scriptures, just two scriptures today, there are far more, but I just want to draw two scriptures to light that sort of uh, succinctly capture the essence of the mission of the church. One of them is found in Luke chapter 19 and verse 10 where the Bible says to seek and save the lost. Amen. That is the mission of the church, to seek and save the lost. Amen. So it, we're here today. We're reaching for the lost. And if just by chance your favorite song is not one of those that comes across the pulpit today, please don't leave here offended because that wasn't our mission. If your favorite preacher doesn't preach today, if your favorite preacher's not preaching right now, <laughs> I'd like to talk to you after church. 
It's going it's to be a long conversation. Bring some crackers. But that wasn't the mission of the church. That wasn't the goal of the church. I hope I can get you back after that. That wasn't the goal of the church. That Our mission is to reach for someone who may not know the power of the Holy Ghost in feeling. They may not know the power of having your sins washed away by being buried in water baptism in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins. Amen. We all may have different ideas as to the mission of the church, but we are here to seek and to save them that are lost. Acts 15 and 14, Simeon hath declared how God did at first visit the Gentiles to do what? To take out of them a people for his name. Amen. These two passages of scripture so well define the mission of the church. Amen. We are here to seek and save the lost, to take out of a Gentile, a lost world. Amen. A people for his name. Can you say hallelujah? I believe the ultimate mission of the church is defined there. I understand and support, obviously, the various ministries of the church, not only our local church, but the church at large. But I believe that everything we do ought to have an underlying goal of reaching for the lost. Whether that is a chicken and rice dinner that we're having and we're just promoting fellowship and we're inviting our, our men are having a fish fry and we're inviting the people that you may work with whether our ladies are having a luncheon somewhere and we're inviting people that we maybe in our family that don't attend church here everything it's not about tea and crumpets it's not about fish it's not about hush puppies amen it's not about this it's not the underlying goal is that we are reaching for their soul let them feel something in our presence amen and that something should not just be our swagger what they ought to feel is the anointing and the power of God that is dwelling in our heart Hallelujah. And so as born again believers, we must have a God-given vision that drives us to become his witness. A godly vision, seeing a picture that is larger than our own world and our own scope of things. But we need to see that all humanity needs salvation. Proverbs 29, 18, I mentioned a moment ago, where there is no vision, or where no vision, where there is no vision, the people perish. The word perish there means to loosen, loosen, or to go back. Amen. Where there is no vision, there is not going forward. Where there is no vision, there is no pushing into the future, but people begin to drift back without a vision. And so if we live, lose our vision for the harvest as a church, can I tell you that we're going to go back? We're going to slide back into some state of neutral. We're going to just slide back and just say, well, we're having good church. Everything is all right. We're, everything's well, and we can just stop where we are. No, there's no such thing because the kingdom of God is not static. It is dynamic. Therefore, if we stop and the kingdom keeps moving, we are soon going to find ourselves out of tune with what's going on. We'll be less than what God has called us to be. And so a God-given vision for the harvest is going to keep our minds and our hearts and our actions focused on reaching our world. When God gives a vision for the lost, it may not come to us like the visions of Cornelius or Simon Peter, so we can't just all look for them to play out in the same way. It may happen differently for every person. I think that our personal visitation uh, in, in that regard is going to come to us in a way that we could relate to. Amen. 
I believe that God's going to be able to relate to me in a way that I could understand. And he's going to relate to you in a way that you could understand. Amen. And so our, our personal visitation in this regard may come in many, many different venues. It may come in a moment when you just look into the eyes of a loved one and you recognize the hollow lostness that's in their eyes. That may be your angel visiting right there. Maybe somebody you deal with on a daily basis and you just see the lostness of their life. It may happen during a missionary service where you begin to feel a burden for revival on foreign soil. Amen. I believe that God can touch all of our hearts. Amen. Now, I think that we have to understand that the children of God and the church at large is not defined by class or by creed or by color or social status or none of the above. But the criteria for being his is simply having breath in our lungs and blood in our veins. If you have breath in your lungs, blood in your veins, you need the Holy Ghost. Amen. You deserve the privilege of being baptized in his name. You deserve the power of God to work, work and walk in your life. Amen. John 15 and 16, you have not chosen me, but I have chosen you and ordained you that ye should go and bring forth fruit and that your fruit should remain. Amen. God, help us. God, help us to be anointed of him. Amen. Realizing that he chose us. We didn't choose him. He has ordained us. Hallelujah. Amen. He has ordained us. Now, when we use the word going, when we use the word going, that doesn't necessarily mean that we sell out here and move to foreign soil because to go and bring forth may simply mean sitting at a lunch table, amen, and reaching for a lost co-worker, sharing with them the gospel message. That's what going may be. It might mean waiting just a little bit longer. It might mean that when you get to the restaurant and all of a sudden they tell you it's going to be a 10-minute wait and that 10 minutes turns into 20 minutes or it turns into 30 minutes. Before you pull the plug, sir, Before you ask to speak to a manager, think about something. God may have a waitress there or a waiter there that he's trying to get your orbits together. And your delay is divine. And this happened to me not long ago. I was with a pastor friend of mine and we were in a crowded restaurant. We almost never got a seat. We hadn't seen each other in a while, so we were completely comfortable just sitting and fellowshipping. But we realized much later on why we were delayed. We were delayed because God needed a certain lady in that in that, that was an employee of that particular restaurant. She had just had a daughter that had passed away and she needed prayer and we were sitting there not in a suit and a tie but while we were sitting there after the third or fourth visit to our table she looked with tears in her eyes and she said you men are preachers aren't you and we said yes ma'am and she opened her ticket book and in the left hand side of her ticket book was the picture of her daughter and she said would you help me pray would you pray for me I, am, I need God to touch me and you know what we did we didn't hand her a business card we didn't invite her to church hear me amen we right then and there is what I'm saying we didn't just reach out and hand her a prayer cloth but we took her by the hand and we lifted our voice we didn't stand up on the table and make a scene but we held her hand and we began to pray a prayer over her you know why because the steps of a good man are ordered of the Lord 
Amen. That woman that morning said, God, I need something today. I need something today. And you know what? He created hunger in us. He created a desire to go to that particular restaurant in us when there were many others that we could have chosen. Amen. And God allowed a delay in us getting there because he said, I need this lady. I need this lady to be the one bringing your tea. I need this lady to be the one bringing your meal. Why? Because she's wounded in her heart. We need to pray for God to give us a vision for the loss of this world. Well, let's clap our hands to the holy God today. I feel something divine awakening in our heart here today. Amen. Going, going may be building a relationship with your friend or your coworker or your neighbor. It may take weeks, months, or even years to create an opportunity to share the gospel. Amen. God may not open that door the first time, the second time, or even later down the road. Going may mean supporting a foreign missionary by giving monthly to our church missions fund. Going might be writing an email or sending a card to encourage some of our global missionaries and some of our North American missionaries. Amen. Our missions team in our church, our missions team in our church sends a birthday card and an anniversary card to our North American missionaries and to all of their children. And you know what they're doing when they're filling out their card? They're going. <laughs> they are going. Amen. When they put a stamp on that envelope, almost said when they lick that stamp, but we're beyond we're beyond that. I dated myself. But when they put that stamp on that envelope, we are going. We are going. We're going to pray. We're going to pray about that. Amen. Sister Debbie Rogers for years has sent prayer cards out of this church. I met, uh, again, I was with Brother Warren this week. Amen. And he's testified before our district board this week. He just felt prompted to do it about a couple of other things. But in that, he inserted how he has been battling cancer uh, five years now. And he said every month. Amen. For years I got a card from this church. Amen. That said we are praying for you with tears falling down the table. He said you never know what that meant. And you know what? It wasn't just a piece of paper. It wasn't just a stamp. It wasn't just a label. Amen. But this good sister and others. Amen. Prayed over that card. Praise God. You know what she was doing? She was going. She was going. She was going. Reaching for the hurting. Praise God. It may, be, it may mean taking on a missionary family and supporting them, not financially. Amen, we already covered that. But supporting them in intercessory prayer and ask God to bless them and to anoint them and to assist them. That's what we did this morning. Amen, we went. This morning we went. God, keep them safe, protect them, anoint them today. By the same token, not going. By the same token, saying somebody else can do it. Somebody else can give. Somebody else can pray. Somebody else can take care of it is disobedience. Because he didn't just save us to save us. Amen. Not going is failing to reach out beyond yourself. Not going is not giving of your time, not giving of your resources, but we are all commanded to go. 
Matthew 28, 19, go ye therefore and teach all nations. Mark 16 and 15, go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. These references, all nations to all the world, you know, that casts a pretty large shadow, doesn't it? Amen, we sit in our living room, we sit in our den, we sit in our own favorite chair and we wonder how could I, all nations, how could I, all worlds, how could I, all people, amen, I'm gonna tell you, we can quickly say, well, I'm not called to be a missionary and perhaps you're not called to go to foreign soil but I'm going to tell you that we can all roll off of that seat kneel on our knees beside the bed and say God I'm asking you to touch our missionaries ask God to give you a burden for a missionary it's wonderful to pray for missions amen but ask God to give you a burden to pray for a missionary family get a picture of them amen put it on your phone put it on your wall put it on your prayer prayer altar amen call their names before the Lord you're going you're going when you do that. Amen. You're going. We can pray. We can pray for those who have answered the call to foreign nations in North American cities. As a matter of fact, I'd like to share with you, just take a moment here this morning to share with you a little of what we've been able to do as a church and as a district. More specifically, maybe I got that a little wrong, as a district and as a section and maybe more specifically as a church. Some of you know that a few years ago we had a church planted in the city of Lake Butler. The couple that felt a burden to plant that church after they got the church and they acquired a building to rent and had that building renovated for the purposes of church felt that it was in their best interest to resign and turn that church over to someone else, actually another minister in the church that was helping them. And that 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 pastor, uh, Pastor Larry Carmody, Amen. They turned the church over to Brother and Sister Carmody, who at the time, just as a side note, Sister Carmody was in, in critical, critical condition in her health in the sense that she was needing a kidney, uh, a kidney transplant. And he was saying, Brother, I feel called to do this and led to do this, but we've just got so many things going on in our life right now with my wife. And, and he said, but, but I will make this commitment. We will do what we can. And he just needed to run that disclaimer, letting me know that we may have to get somebody else there to help them. But God just opened the doors and she was able to get her kidney transplant. Her health has, has just done a complete turnaround in many ways. She still needs prayer, but she is doing so much better than, than she was doing. And in recent months, in recent months, just as you could step out of the door that they're renting, they're renting the old hardware store downtown Lake Butler, if you know anything about that, right there on 100. If you stepped out of the door of their of their church, you can look just to your left and across the street, and uh, it was at a Catholic church, in my, uh, uh, it, another church, it, it was another church, I'm depending on you, Brother Everett, I'm needing you right here, don't crack under the pressure. It was another kind of church, a Methodist church, a church. It was a church, right? We got a church. All right, we got a church. <laughs> Amen. I'm just picking it at him. A church, and they closed down, and they put their building on, on the market for sale at an astronomical price, and they felt led in the Holy Ghost to make an offer, an offer that would have probably caused them in some cases to get a black eye. Amen. But you know what? God was on their side. God was on their side, and they made an offer which started some negotiations. They didn't accept their original offer, but I'm telling you, they got the building for a song, an absolute song. This building is within a stone's throw. You could step on the steps of their current building. Look now to their new building 
building, amen, the, the building they were renting, and they were able to close on this just a few weeks ago. I want to share this with you. If you can pull those pictures up, that's the building on the left. Amen. They're going to be able, they're going to be able to move in that in just the next few weeks. Show the next one here. Amen. This is the inside of the church. A couple of pictures. And uh, one more, I think we've got there, maybe two more. And uh, and then there are also, there's an educational building that is a separate building besides all of this. And they've been able to do that. I just knew from experience that, that they're going to need a little bit of extra spending money when they get into that. Our Christmas for Christ giving. Amen. We're fixing to do our campaign again. Do you know that your dollars, your sweet dollars that you gave helped make this possible? Amen. This is not a pipe dream. We're just not giving and it's just vaporizing out somewhere. But they've been able to acquire this building. But I realize along with some other pastors that they're going to need a few minor repairs in the building there. And they're just going to need a few things. And so uh, they said we're in need. Uh, they had sent out an email that we're in need of another $2,500 to take care of something. And I just felt the Lord prick my heart. And I contacted Sister Donna Tum and I said, please mail a check to Lake Butler. And here's why we were able to do that. It's because in January you said, you know what, we're going to give to missions. Amen. And you've been given faithfully for that. And we didn't have to come here and turn it into a dog and pony show. We didn't have to come here and turn it into an embarrassing situation. Here's a need. Here's the check. God bless you. We're behind you. You know what we were doing when we sent that check? We were going. We were going to Lake Butler. Hallelujah. <laughs> because there are souls. There are souls. There are souls. My goodness, I've got to hurry. I've got to hurry. Amen. According to my according to my time flow here, it looks like about one o'clock before I'll be done. So I need to hurry. I need to hurry. Amen. Praise God. I just I need to I do need to miss a few things here, but Acts one and eight, he says, You shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you. You know this. And you shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem, in Judea, and in Samaria, and into the uttermost part of the earth. If this were rewritten, if Acts 1 and 8 were rewritten today, Jerusalem might be the name of your city. It may be the town you live in. It may be the community you live in. If Acts 1 and 8 were rewritten, Judea and Samaria could perhaps be our state or our country. Amen. And the uttermost parts. Amen. That just means the whole world. Amen. So if we were to rewrite that, we could talk about the name of the community you live in. We could talk about our nation and then we could talk about the world. We must go. We must go. In Luke 4, it was mentioned just a few services ago. I believe Brother Williams mentioned this in our Sunday service last Sunday. Amen. In Luke 4, or somebody mentioned it recently, in Luke 4, described Jesus' return from Nazareth at the beginning of his ministry. He attended a service already in progress and he asked for the book. He asked for the scroll and he unveiled that scroll and he read from Isaiah 61, the passage. Amen, it became a mission statement and I believe it is the mission statement or at least it ought to be the mission statement for every church in the world. He said this, are you ready? The spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives, the recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. This passage of scripture captured the vision of the harvest field and it ought to be the job description for every church in the world. Praise God. 
Praise God. You know people with broken hearts and homes and shattered lives. You know them. You know them by name. They should know what you know. Somebody told you. Now, I'm probably fixing to get in somebody's business here, but at least I'm warning you. But sometimes we can get so secretive about the silliest things. I'm going I'm to get in some uh, territory I'm probably not qualified to be in, but, you know, sometimes people can have family recipes. And the mafia. The mob could not get just how many scoops of flour. When I said I'm fixing to get in your business, everybody's going, you're feeling a whole lot better now. We just don't my recipes. But we get silly about the craziest things. Why wouldn't you want to share that? I mean, if you're not, you know, if it's if you're not making money on this, it's not your business. I'm not, I'm I'm just talking about grandma's cornbread. That's what I'm talking about. Well, why, why wouldn't you want to share that? And sometimes we have the words of eternal life. They're in our heart, and we don't talk about it. We don't share it. I'm not saying that in a condemning way. But an apostolic witness is not a life of ease and leisure. An apostolic life is waking up every day with a burden for the lost. And it may cause sleepless nights. And it may require some missed meals. It demands humility. It demands courage and boldness. It commands us to do something. It commands us to do something. I want to close, I want to close with an illustration. Something happened, to, happened last week. And I've told a couple of people about this. But I just feel it's fitting for where we are today. I had the privilege last week, um, last weekend, to be a part of Friday night, a part of Brother James Wolfe's 36th pastoral anniversary, and um, he is retired, and and, uh, and so the church was honoring him. So he and Sister Wolf had asked uh, Jackie and I to come down and have lunch with them Friday afternoon before the service, and, and uh, we did enjoy that, and then they asked us to go to their house. And I'm, I'm going somewhere with all this. And so we were sitting in their home, and we were sitting in their living room. And I'm sure, I just really feel in my heart, uh, Brother Jerry, that much of his conversation, I think there was a, I think he was very reflective in his spirit just because of the, of the day. And uh, their new pastor has been on site for uh, over a year now. And so this is not all a new thing, but it was the culmination of, of all of this and and so he was very reflective even over lunch somewhat reflective but when we got home and in a quiet place he just started he just started talking now many of you know brother wolf and and um he's just a great man to talk to and so he got to talking and 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 he said uh, to to my wife and i he said i want to share something with you all. He said, I, I haven't talked about this a whole lot in my life and ministry, but 
When he, he was a young man, before he met Sister Anne, and they were married, he was a young man, and he traveled full-time as an evangelist, as a single evangelist. And he was in, uh, he was in uh, West Virginia, and West Virginia was having a political rally in the city where he was holding a revival. And um, he decided that he was going to go down to where this political rally was going on. He kind of had nothing else to do, just kind of see what was going on. Now, this is, you know, this is a long time ago, and so things are obviously security-wise much different. So he's trying to find where he's at the building, but he's trying to find where they're having this rally. And he walks down this hall, and there's a door. He opens the door, and he walks in a room, and he walks in the room, and there's just a handful of people in this room. Well, he realizes in an instant that he's not in the right room, but before he can do anything about that, one of the men that was in that crowd took a two, two or three steps forward, extended his hand to shake his hand, and he said, Hello, young man. My name is John F. Kennedy, and I am running for the President of the United States of America, and I would sure appreciate your vote on Election Day. <laughs> well, Brother Wolf, I mean, we're still saying, Wow, all these years. We weren't even there. And he was so taken by that that he had really paused to notice who was in the room. And so he looks to his left and he said there was two people over, was, was, or three people over, was Robert Kennedy standing. And he realizes he's standing with the Kennedy family before they go on to the stage to speak. Now, that wouldn't happen today, but this was then. And so we're just kind of feeling what you're feeling. That was kind of cool. And then all of a sudden, tears welled up in Brother Wolf's eyes, and he said, I want to tell you something I've struggled with for years. Here's a man, 75 years old. I've struggled for years with the fact that I was in the president presence of the man that would be the President of the United States, and I didn't share the gospel with him. It was so palatable, it was tears. And he said, but you know what? God is so kind. God is so kind. Some of you know Johnny James. You recognize that name. He's preached some of our men's conferences. He said some years ago he had Brother Johnny James preaching for him, and he shared this story with Brother Johnny James. And Brother James leaned up and he said, Brother Wolf, you can set your mind at ease. I just happen to know the lady that was the housekeeper at the White House while John and Jacqueline Kennedy were serving. And she told me that she witnessed to them often about baptism in Jesus' name and the power of the infilling of the Holy Ghost. Let's stand together. Souls. 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 I was so touched that a young man stepped away from a situation and said, you know what, I should have told him. I should have told him. God saw the purity of his heart, the sincerity of his way, and said, I'll send somebody else. I'll send somebody else. You know, I don't want the Lord to have to send somebody else for us. Let's pray and ask God to help us to be courageous enough to go for ourselves. Can we? I know I've taken a little extra time here this morning, but can we just slip our hands up?
My God, could we just magnify him together in this place? Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for the power of the Holy Ghost. God, help us to be witnesses. God, move in our heart and our homes. God, may we have an attitude that would welcome your divine interruption in the middle of our day, in the middle of our night. In the name of the Lord, in the name of the Lord. This message has been brought to you today by the media ministry of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. We pray that it's ministered to you in some way, and we'd like to take this opportunity to invite you to join us in service here at Hatchbend Apostolic. Our Sunday services begin at 10 a.m. and our Wednesday night service at 7.30 p.m. For any more information or to speak with our ministry staff, please feel free to call our church office at 386 935 2806 or you can visit the contact link here on our website. Again, thank you for listening, and we pray God's richest blessings on you and your family.